You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 18 called STEM Misconceptions, 21st Century Mindset and Teachers as Leaders. In this episode, we'll discuss some misconceptions about STEM education, the mindset of 21st century teachers using the four C's and how to develop teacher leaders amongst teachers. As always, we'll close this episode with another Tech Battle Royale. So for our first segment, we wanted to talk about a big buzzword that's flying around education today and actually has been for the past several years, and that is, of course, STEM. S-T-E-M. It's an acronym. I'm sure most of you guys in the educational world have heard this before. Um, what we wanted to address was just some of the misconceptions that are related to this this common acronym because a lot of people use the word. A lot of people use it the wrong way, and we wanted to sort of clarify some of that. First of all, talk about what it is, how it should actually be used, kind of describe who actually is a STEM teacher and what that means, and maybe a little bit touch touch on some of our favorite STEM tech along the way. Uh, Geis, as a former biology teacher and myself as a chemistry teacher, we've been hearing this for a long time. We've known about it for a long time, and it's really starting to take hold in a lot of school districts today. Ours is no different. So that's what our first segment is going to cover. I thought it would be kind of helpful to just sort of throw a definition out there that includes what these words actually stand for, just in case some people aren't clear about that. I found this on an NSTA website just to sort of get us uh, get us talking about the whole subject. Uh, the, this particular person defines STEM as an interdisciplinary approach to learning where rigorous academic concepts are coupled with, here's the key guys, so you're going to like this, coupled with real world lessons as students apply science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And there's our, our acronym, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. So what do you, what do you think about all that? I love that definition. Uh, I'm, I'm fired up on this topic because I often find myself uh, in discussion at several conferences or workshops or online professional developments talking about STEM. It's something that I have a passion for, being in charge of the media center. This is something that we want to work towards getting a makerspace within the media center, but it needs to be connected to curriculum. And our curriculum that we're driving here is a STEM curriculum. Right? We have an elementary school that is based on STEM. We, they have a STEM program where, where kids actually are rooted in STEM classes. Now I'm saying STEM classes. Right. Let's clarify what that means because I a lot of people when they hear I'm a chem teacher and you probably get the same thing or used to get the same thing. As, a, as any science teacher, a lot of times what you'll hear is, oh, so you're a STEM teacher or if you teach math, people will say, oh, you teach STEM. No, you do not teach STEM. Uh, what you do is you teach a course within the STEM platform that teaches students skills. That's what you do. You are a skill driver. You develop these skills within the students so that way when they go down the line and they have a actual STEM course, that is a course that takes in STEM, technology, engineering, and mathematics, all those skills that they've learned along the way and they 
put that towards solving or making a solution to a real world problem. Well, that's the the one piece of the definition that I think is so important. I guess there's kind of two, but for me, it was just that word apply. Just teaching chemistry or just teaching algebra, that's not STEM. Like you just said, you're giving, you're teaching the tools to do STEM, to do engineering, to solve problems in new and creative ways. Um, so I just think it's really important that as educators, we use the term properly and realize that just because you teach a science or a math or even just a technology, those are just pieces of the larger puzzle. And to truly be STEM, I think the critical piece is that engineering component, which I know scares a lot of people. But really, when we say engineering, we we just mean solving problems. Here's a problem in the world. Let's clarify that problem in the, in, in the best way we possibly can. And then from that clarification, let's work through possible solutions. Let's test it. Based on those tests, let's see what we did wrong or could do better. Let's try it again until we've solved the problem or refined the problem. And you, sometimes along the way, you realize you were asking the wrong you know, you had the wrong problem defined to begin with, and then you got to totally restart. That's what it should really be all about. And I think just a lot of uh, straight, classic science, math teachers don't do that. And not to their fault. That's not what your class is probably supposed to be. Um, but you just got to be careful the way you use the word. Yeah, let's let's just think about the real life world, the real world and how it works. All right. Take a bridge, for example. Are bridges made the same way now as they were 50 years ago? No. No. They're using different materials. They're using different structures, different designs and stuff like that. And they're not doing that because it's, uh, you know, less effective. They're doing it because it's more effective. We're constantly making improvements. And that's like the human way. That's what we want to do. STEM is no different, right? Students might try to solve a problem using a solution that you know as a teacher does not work. 100% there's a flaw in that. But the thing is, is you allow these students to keep going, keep working through it until they realize that, you know, maybe I need to rethink this and I need to make the change. That is the process of learning that is so powerful, is allowing them to have have the chance to fail. And I, I call this a soft fail because you aren't saying, oh, you failed, you're getting an F. You're saying, no, you failed. You know why you failed or why this didn't work. And now you're going back and you're making improvements until you get something that you think, you know, logistically, systematically, it works. Right. It's not something that has to go into into the real world and be implemented. It's a concept. It's a design. It's the attempt to make a solution to a problem. Right. So I know as, as a chemistry teacher, I don't teach STEM. I do some STEM activities that tie this in, uh, but it's all very new to me and I'm still trying to figure it out. So I think we sh one thing we should also do is just kind of clarify, how, how do you actually do STEM? as a teacher, as a school. And I think you mentioned one way earlier, um, just something our district has done is actually started a STEM program that is separate from a normal class that you would be enrolled in. And I believe it starts at the elementary schools where, is it a, is it a pullout like for a certain period of the day or are those STEM kids, are they with that classroom the full time? So they have the regular classes mm -hmm. and then they also have the classes that are more STEM centered. Right. So that's the way I understand it. And as they come up through the middle school, they have more opportunities to take uh, STEM-involved courses. So yeah. they're learning STEM skills in their sciences, in their engineering classes. But really, I mean, you know, I always bring back and I try to reflect on what doesn't work. Sure in the school year. And one of the things we've talked about before is that fourth quarter for seniors. I hate the fourth quarter for seniors. You got AP testing, you have this testing, that testing, and then you have three weeks in which these AP kids are like, I already took the AP test. I already took your final. Yep. What do I do? Yep. And I think this is a perfect opportunity to 
gives students the ability to either go out there and shadow somebody in the workforce or maybe do one of these STEM projects where they have to tackle a real world problem. They identify it and they come up with a solution. I, I, I think I think all this stuff can really fill that void that we need to make the end of the school year well-rounded and beneficial for students. Yeah, I mean, it's it should be, I mean, this should be, when you describe it that way, it, it does sound really exciting because it should totally change what school is. That's the whole interdisciplinary approach. It, really, it's just trying to make school more like what real life is because most people in their jobs, you know, you don't, you don't just do chemistry or you don't just do algebra. You have to know a whole lot of things. You have to know, you have to know a business. You got to know how to do tech stuff on the computer. You got to know some math. You got to know some science. You have to be able to do all that and more stuff all within the frame of solving whatever problem that it's your job and that you get paid for to solve. So it kind of sprung from shouldn't schools sort of replicate that? So we sort of craft these projects for kids where, like you said, it's uh, it's applicable to real life and actually puts them in those situations and teaches them how to think critically, how to apply knowledge that they've learned to solve that problem. So when they're actually out there in the workforce, they know how to and they feel more comfortable doing that sort of thing. Although from the teacher perspective, it can certainly be be stressful to think of those things because that's not how a lot of us were, were taught. It's definitely not how I was taught. Um, so to get ideas, I definitely say you just got to, I mean, you got to hit the internet and start, get on Twitter, get on Google, try and find some other teachers that are always posting about the cool stuff they do. Uh, there are tons and tons of STEM resources out there just packed with uh, ideas, no matter what subject or grade level you teach, how to incorporate some of these projects into your classroom. So. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing I just want to throw in real quick, and I think this is beneficial to talk about and really to reflect upon, is uh, if you go to any school website and you look at their mission statement, somewhere through a whole bunch of adjectives, they're developing kids, students, for the real world or for further education. That is the over all goal of high school. All right. So you said that real world problems in real jobs in real life, students or the employees need to be well-rounded. Yeah. We got to be able to take in lots of information and apply it. That's the main goal, I think. So we've had this vision for high school for a long time. I think finally we now have a platform to really throw at uh, education and make this vision a reality. I mean, I, I believe that there have been teachers out there that incorporate real world problems into their lessons. Definitely. But this really gives us a, a goal or something to stride towards. Yep. And I, I think we just need to look at it. So STEM, what, what it, the individual pieces of STEM, that's where you get your skills. All right, you take those skills and you apply it to the real world problem and coming up with solutions. And that's really the gist of STEM. That's the goal of STEM is to get to that solution. So let's let's close it out with just some of my uh, favorite STEM resources. You just mentioned that we are poised now to actually do this and actually make education within these fields, uh, science, math, technology, engineering, make it meaningful. Um, and, and the reason it's more possible than ever, I think, is just because of what we all have access to. It's all free. Nobody has to buy any textbooks. It's all out there. Um, I know ISTE, which is the International Society for Technology and Education, they have an amazing, an amazing STEM resource page called Rethinking STEM, packed full of 
resources. Everyone should be checking this out if you're interested. Uh, a lot of companies endorse this sort of stuff because it's beneficial if you're a tech-based company, especially to put this kind of training out there because these are your future workers. And Samsung actually has something called the STEM Fuse curriculum, which is one of the most popular ones where they actually design the curriculum themselves that ties in with their tablets and their resource packs automatically. Uh, some of the typical stuff we're used to as teachers like PBS, they're starting to incorporate lots of STEM activities. They have a STEM education resource center that's super awesome. Tons of videos that sort of tie in all your typical, uh, you know, PBS uh, type of media, but then linked to curriculum and activities. Um, and you mentioned maker spaces earlier, just briefly. There's a ton of resources out there for maker spaces, which is, I believe, isn't that where there's actually, the kids can actually build stuff on the... Uh, it's a, it's creating things. Yeah. It's 3D printers. 3D printers, that's what it's I was looking It's a for. visual representation of games. It's taking apart old electronics and seeing right. what, if you can put them back together, get them to work or take them apart and find a different use for them. So just do a quick search out there for any makerspace resources and you'll find tons of really cool stuff that hopefully will uh, revolutionize your science, math, or or engineering classroom. One person I want to throw out there, uh, if you are not following Laura Fleming uh, on Twitter, make sure you go follow her. She does a great job throwing a lot of different resources for makerspaces out there. She's an excellent author. She has a bunch of bestsellers. Uh, the World's a Making is one that I read, and the other one is the Kickstart Guide to Making Great Makerspaces. Go pick up those. Follow her on Twitter. Her handle is at L Fleming, F L E M I N G E D U. L Fleming E D U. We'll put that in the show notes. Check her out and uh, go out there and try to incorporate some STEM skills into your classroom. Get them ready for tomorrow. Fitting right along with STEM is the 21st century learning. There are a lot of different ways that people describe this. 21st century learning skills, 21st century learning, 21st century super skills. Uh, there's several different ways that we could bring it, but really it comes down to the four C's, which are communication, collaboration, critical thinking, and creativity. So Nick and I just wanted to bring up a little bit about each one of these, uh, kind of go over it. Uh, I think it fits in with STEM perfectly, so we decided to bring this one along for the ride on this episode so yeah why don't we tackle communication first sure so communication one of the important skills for 21st century learners obviously that just refers to sharing thoughts questions ideas solutions there's that stem piece again some of the easiest ways that that can be done for uh, within the modern classroom of course would be uh, social media things like Twitter whatever you think about social media platforms uh, they definitely have an important use uh, in the classroom that allows uh, students to share ideas amongst themselves maybe electronic discussions can take place if used the proper way using a certain hashtag kind of grouping everyone's ideas in one place making communication really quick and easy i'm also in a, in a very applicable way to a, a lot of how to the way a lot of business in the world is run today. Uh, things like Flipgrid, uh, to mention probably the most popular one that allows uh, students to communicate with each other and share their ideas in electronic platform where they, they post videos of themselves. Uh, even something as simple as, as YouTube. Anybody out there who's absorbing media from YouTube or, or creating it, all you're really doing is communicating those things. So educating students that way, uh, sharing content with videos found on YouTube or any other similar platform. I think hits that community that 21st century communication really well yeah i feel like some of these platforms really go the whole way across the four c's but i don't think we could 
leave out our learning management systems either. If you go back as far as Sophia or uh, Google Classroom or yeah. uh, Edmodo or even our own course what we use here. I mean, a lot of those have discussion boards. They're very similar to Facebook. You can throw Facebook out there. I know that there are teachers out there that use oh yeah uh, Facebook. They have a class page or whatever. Yep. Google Plus, uh, the groups. Uh, that's also another... Uh, popular one i think that one's uh, picking up some uh speed a little bit and sure. it's it's catching up to some of the other ones but these are all great communication uh avenues where people can share thoughts and ask questions provide ideas and and it's it's all just out there and it's it's ready like this is something that we're in right now we're in the social age of technology so moving on to collaboration I mean, the monster. That's a big one. Uh, collaboration, of course, just working together, working in a group, because that's how everything happens in this world today. I can't think of too many jobs left where you work where you work in isolation. Uh, so you got to be able to work as a team, combine talent. If one person's good at one thing, but other people are good at other things, recognizing that, pulling in different expertises and working, I hate to use the old saying, but working smart, not hard, and using people for what they're good for towards one common goal. Um, I don't think we need to say much more about collaboration than uh, the Google platform, which if everybody, I've, we talk about it all the time, but that's like, that's like the, the peak of the mountain, at least for me in terms of collaboration. Absolutely. G Suite for education. Uh, good stuff there. I, I just don't see why go outside of that for your everyday communicate or collaboration needs. All right. So let's move on to critical thinking a little bit. And I know that you mentioned YouTube earlier, right? Critical thinking is looking at problems in a new way. All right, we're linking learning across different subjects, disciplines, and YouTube with Edpuzzle, I mean, it's very easy to do that. You could go in, you can clip up a video using Edpuzzle, and you could add these questions. And what I'd like to do is add response questions and open-ended questions. You have a two-minute video on the Pacific Garbage Patch, okay? You show them, it's basically background music and different aerial photos and close-up photos of a garbage patch in the middle of the ocean. I didn't know about it until, you know, college. Right. No one said anything. I mean, I didn't live close to the Pacific Ocean, but no, that's I mean, true. But we have this big garbage patch that goes on for miles and miles in the middle of the ocean. And it's a bunch of plastic, and it's affecting the ecosystem and all that. So... Pop a YouTube video on there, cut it down to like two minutes using Edpuzzle, throw in some questions in there. Like, what do you think is causing this? Why Why do we have a big garbage patch in the middle there? What can we do? What are the solutions yep. to correct this problem? There's that STEM connection, and really it just sounds like a lot of the strategies we've talked about before fit into this. There's your, your project-based learning, right? Where there's there's a goal in mind, solving a problem, uh, creating something. There's where the project piece comes in. And as you do so, you learn content. You engage with it in a meaningful 21st century kind of way. So there's lots of stuff to check out there. Let's, uh, I guess we can wrap it up with the last C, which is, of course, creativity. Uh, these are, creativity can be so many things. I mean, your mind first goes to, you know, the typical, like the art kind of stuff, but it doesn't have to be. Creativity can be anytime you try a new approach to do something, any sort of innovation. This is a lot of times the hardest stuff to do because the very definition is doing something in a new way. So that means you have to think of the new way. There's lots of simple things out there to sort of help the artistic side of creativity. In terms of tech, we've talked about the Picto charts, the Canva, Adobe Spark, things that let students uh, generate, you know, generate media to share things that they've done. They um, could also use these 
to share their ideas. Like it, it's a visual representation of their work or their solution to a problem, and that's that's part of it. I mean, it's not it's not just creativity in the sense of like drawing something. It's right. not creativity in the sense of bedazzling a project. That's not the creativity part. Creativity right. is taking it to a new place. It's the innovation and the invention of that new thing. So, All right, so the four C's, communication, collaboration, critical thinking, creativity. Just take some time to reflect on your lessons, see which of the four C's that you're incorporating, and maybe try to incorporate one of the four C's that you're not really uh, accustomed to putting into your lesson, and watch your students take their skills to super skills using the four C's. You can follow Got Teched outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at WeGotTeched. Originally, Nick was supposed to start off this episode, but I'm going to squeep in real quick because I know that he won't say anything. And uh, really, I know where his, his story starts at, but I think we need to preface where he started this story or where he got this story. Nick was our school's teacher of the year last year, which is a super cool honor. We have a lot of talented school teachers in our district. and uh, But then he took it a step further and he got our county teacher of the year. And that's that's huge. It's the first one, I believe, from our, our school that has ever gotten county teacher of the year. Yeah, I think so. It was pretty cool and pretty cool honor. So basically, Nick has been awarded this award, which says that he is a great teacher. But I will tell you another thing. He's also a great leader. And Nick is not your leader that's going to go out there and be super vocal. He's going to be your leader by doing and actions. So in this case, he went to a retreat with all the other county uh, teachers of the year. And they talked about how to be a good leader as a teacher. So enter Nick's story. I was like, yeah, thanks for the nice intro there. It's it's something I brought. I noticed that this uh, the seminar I had to go to as part of the County Teacher of the Year program, and I, I brought it back and told guys about it and thought it would be a cool segment just because just because public schools today, all schools today, we all have really tough jobs. Money's tight. The, the order is tall. There's lots to do, and there's not a lot of time to do it. People are burnt out. Um, it's just It's just a really difficult thing to do. And I I think schools struggle with how to how to train their teachers properly, how to make teachers feel empowered. And I know for a fact, also schools spend a ton of money on providing professional development to their teachers, much of which the teachers don't find valuable or they don't feel like it's actually applicable to them or doesn't relate to the subject they teach. There's all kinds of reasons teachers don't respond to PD. Um, and one of the sessions I was at <clears throat> just kind of struck me as particularly powerful. There was a quote on the screen and I've been looking for it for the past two days. I cannot find it anywhere. I just have a small snip of it that I took a picture of on my phone. and But I think it, the snippet sort of does the job anyways. The quote is that there is a sleeping giant within public education. And then I, I lost the rest. But the, the sleeping giant that the quote's referring to is teachers themselves. Because teachers themselves, all the, the entire faculty is the leadership that should be and could be so powerful if just some things about the culture of schools changed. So the session was kind of about sort of trying to change that culture so that teachers recognized each other as professionals as leaders and recognized each other for the things they're good at and built on that. And the, and the whole idea being if I, I know there's a couple things I'm really good at and I know there's a bunch of things I'm not that good at. So imagine if I wasn't ashamed, I wasn't embarrassed to have people in, other teachers into my room, watch me do the things I'm not so good at specifically because I know that those teachers are better at them. Running discussions, it's not my strong point 
Well, I could have someone come watch me run a discussion without fear of people talking about me, thinking that I'm not good at, good at that particular thing, and then provide constructive feedback. Just imagine if that's the way schools were and all the PD, all the professional development that happened just kind of came from each other. You wouldn't need to spend thousands of dollars to bring in outside people, uh, at least not as much. It would just sort of run itself. So that's kind of what this whole the whole theme of this was and this sleeping giant of sort of changing the culture of teachers to help each other rather rather than come in, shut your door, do your thing, hope nobody walks through so nobody sees you do something that uh, maybe you're not the best at and sort of just sort of uh, getting that open door policy going to really help each other. So that was the theme of it all. That, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I took that quote in four different ways. Yeah, you can. That's the cool part and about it. I'll just share a couple. I mean, sure. there's a sleeping giant within public education. When I think of sleeping giant, I think that there's a person that is bound down. I immediately went to mm. teachers, partially because you were a teacher, you went there. But yeah, sure. I'm also on that little, uh, the, the mindset. My mindset is there, but I'm thinking of this, this teacher and... Every single responsibility that that teacher has is like adding another five pound sack of potatoes on their shoulders. Yep. And that that giant is getting bogged down with all those sacks of, it could be whatever, five pounds of whatever. But uh, anyway, you know, you have all your PD, mandatory PD, uh, all these videos that you have to do, CPR certification, this, 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 this these standards trainings, new grading system, look at the IEPs, go to five of uh, four meetings, uh, wow. all that stuff. Just throw it on top of there. Yep. 504. <clears throat> Good one. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> I'm getting stressed out just listening to you give that list. It's so much stuff. But it's so much stuff. If you if we found ways to, you know, get those five pound sacks off that, that teacher's shoulders, then yeah, we could awake these giants. Right. And, you know, there's these super teachers out there that have all that stuff on there, but are so strong that they find time and they find ways to still make a difference in school. Right. The other thing I think about is my high school football coach. Now, I will tell you, I didn't play football in high school, but he was also my social studies teacher and we all just called him coach. Okay. It's just the, I, don't, I guess that's where I grew up. Yeah, Maybe that's, that makes sense. That's true elsewhere, but sure. uh, he used to hand out pieces of chain link to all his football players during football season. And I remember asking him, why do you give everyone a chain link? And he says, your team is as strong as your weakest link. Mm. And when you're telling me about this program or this idea, idea where teachers can let other teachers know like if you're really good at um writing a debate and i want to try it yeah and you come in and you watch me and i'm not thinking i'm getting judged yeah um i'm thinking as that chain link getting a little bit stronger each and every time so if you picture a teacher with 30 different skills these are the 30 different skills that we say make up a teacher and each one of those is a chain and they're a part of that chain and each time they strengthen a skill they're strengthening each one of those chains and that's really what we want to do is we want to make sure our chain is equally strong at whatever point in that chain that's an awesome analogy it really fits well with that kind of the whole theme of that and i think a, a couple of things that you touched on is is again sort of changing the culture of the school where we're really just out there to help each other and recognizing that we're all part of the same thing and it should feel that way too um and i know this all sounds really lofty like oh yeah great in the perfect world that would that's how it should be but that's never going to happen which is possibly true but i, I think 
think they did give us some concrete ways to tackle this. So if anyone's listening to this and saying, yes, that's awesome. I feel like I could be a teacher leader in my school to start this change. There's some definite things you can do that at least opens the door for this to happen. If you're, if you are a teacher in New Jersey, um, there's a, there's a special program called Title 2A, which supposedly supplies funds for teacher leader programs. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I do know, as it was explained to me, that there's a thing you can do that actually adds an endorsement to your teaching license. Um, so it's like just an additional, I don't even know what really that means, an endorsement. It's like a thing that sort of goes along with your license. And supposedly these funds are there to possibly pay you more or pay you to run things and do things at your school for other teachers to help train them, to share the knowledge that you have. Uh, so that's that's an avenue that people can pursue. Title 2A funds. Um, there's another program that they talked about called a pineapple program. Um, the whole idea is if you are, if you want to be part of this culture change in your school, you take a little image of a pineapple, which is like the universal welcome symbol, supposedly, and you put this pineapple image on your door. And if you're a teacher with the pineapple on your door, that just means that anyone can come into your classroom anytime and just sit and just watch what you're doing. Something like this is going to start small, but the idea is if it's becomes positive and people start talking about the benefit of that, it expands and then hopefully there's just pineapples all over the place and that's just how your school becomes. I, I could also see in this working on an even smaller scale instead of just school-based, PLC-based. You work with these guys all the time. Guys or gals. Yeah. You work with these people all the time. So maybe you start something where you guys can uh, take turns going into each other's uh, classrooms. Sure. And you could observe each other, give each other feedback. I mean, not everything's about evaluation. Not everything's about the Danielson rubric. And you're exactly right. It shouldn't be. We should be trying to strengthen each other's skills and and move forward. Yeah. Stronger. Together. A lot lot of those evaluations, that's kind of what some of what causes all this. You're so worried about a bad evaluation. If you're running on a four-point scale, you don't want to get any twos. Dear God, what happens if I get a two? How about if there is no two? How about just come into my room whenever you want? If you stop in 10 times over the course of the year, it's not that big a deal if somebody shows up and it's like, eh, that was a crazy one. I sort of lost it. Didn't have a good way to end that lesson. But then they see five other good ones and it just sort of takes the stress away of, oh, I'm getting observed tomorrow, actually. I'm feeling a little bit of stress right now just because I know someone's going to be in there circling those numbers. Never had a bad evaluation, but there's something about it. It just promotes a negativity that something like this pineapple program can help to avoid. Let me ask you a question going along with the evaluation. So what was the last time for an announced evaluation? We we get one unannounced and, you yeah. know, a couple uh, more informal observations. But when was the last time you tried to do something new when you knew that you were getting evaluated? Never. I just always yeah. do so the it's a, same old. It, it definitely hinders creativity in the classroom. Yep. I mean, why you want to do something that's safe? There's a number being put on you saying hey this is your number that's the one yeah you're you're 3.14 that's your number and it's also another famous number but <laughs> yeah i mean it's just, it's like a stressful thing and i think there might be better ways to do it that sort of uses everybody in in a way that's way more beneficial um if you think this is not a possibility for your school i'm also going to recommend us um again hitting social media there's a hashtag uh for twitter mostly i'm pretty sure it's not on instagram yet it wouldn't work there um but for twitter 
that's uh, that's called hashtag observe me. Uh, so if if you want to do this but nobody else is on board, you can videotape yourself, post that video, just a clip or the whole lesson, whatever you want, on Twitter with the hashtag hashtag observe me, and p- other teachers, other educators following that will watch and will comment in a in a constructive way and hopefully give you some feedback that you cannot get in your own school district. So there's some cool stuff here, definitely worth uh, checking out and thinking about maybe ways to change the culture in your school for the better. It's time for the Tick Battle Royale! That's right, it's time for the Tech Battle Royale. This is where Nick and I go mano y mano, one-on-one. We put up our dukes. We see who has the best technology tool. Today, I feel like I'm John Deere, and you're John Deere Jr., the plastic variety, because I'm going to come right at you. I got it in the bag today. I'm feeling good. I don't understand why I'm John Deere Jr., and I don't understand why I'm the, the plastic variety. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm telling you what, I'm seeing green today. I don't know why. Uh, my rods and my cones are all in line, seeing green. I have a bigger frame than you, and that is the reason why you are plastic and I am metal. I'll take it for now. Here's here's some of the categories we have in the Tech Battle Royale. Some of the potentials are student favorites, teacher favorites, Google add-ons, productivity, fun and games, or really anything else that we decide we want to talk about in the moment. So, guys, why don't you spin that wheel? Here we go. Nick, give me the good news. This week's category is a new one. I'm going to call this Money Savers. I told you I was seeing green. Yep. Uh, you were right about this one, which is surprising because you are colorblind. So your rods and cones are all busted anyway. So it <laughs> doesn't make any sense. But this is a good one because teachers are uh, always a little bit strapped for money, uh, especially when it comes to buying things for your classroom. Maybe you don't get as big of a budget as you think you need. There's a lot of resources out there to help with that. So we're going to share a couple of things that we know. I'm going to say you can go first. Sure. I'm pretty sure I won like the last 57 of these. So. I definitely won the last two, but I'll still go first if you want to. So here's here's mine. It's called Digital Wish. The website is digitalwish.com. Digital Wish does a bunch of different things, but I think the best way to describe it is just like an all-purpose, all-in-one-place location for teachers that want to bring technology to their schools but don't have the funds to do so. I'll just list out some of the stuff that Digital Wish allows you to do, and there's tons more. I'm just trying to hit the big ones. Digital Wish allows you, first of all, to donate. So if you're looking to give money to a charity and education is important to you, you can give money to a bunch of different funds that they collect for on this site. Part of the money giving is actually, uh, they have a, a link called Find a School. And if you click on the Find a School link, you get a map of the whole country. You can click on any state. From there, you can click on any county. And finally, after clicking on the county, it brings up a list of schools in the county so you can donate money to a specific school. I'm assuming those those donated funds kind of go somewhere into some kind of a, a place or an account that that school has access to and can then use to purchase things that they need. So like I said, if you're looking to give money, this looks like a pretty good way to do it. On the other side of things, if you're looking to do the purchasing, if you work for the school in a teacher capacity or anything else uh, digital wish allows you to both fundraise and shop if you click on the fundraise link 
It pulls up just a little banner that kind of explains uh, the fundraising process and how to go about this uh, to set up that fundraising through Digital Wish. It also has a shopping page, which I think is super interesting. Uh, so like say you need to buy, I don't know, some, some video cameras, some recorders for your classroom for a project you want to build into the curriculum. There's no money left in the budget for the year. You can go to the shop link at digitalwish.com. They've got all kinds of categories. Cameras is one of them. You click it and it kind of pools all the different promotions to lessen the cost of that technology. So you, you're still buying it, unfortunately, but at least you can buy it at a discounted rate and just the way they have it grouped by category. Super cool. Um, there is other stuff here uh, like lesson plans, uh, com grant applications. I also provide help, one-on-one uh, -on -one help for teachers in, in, a, in a location that kind of stores their favorite apps that you can check out too. So digitalwish.com, super cool. There's a lot of stuff there, guys. So I'm not sure how you can beat that, but why don't you give it a try? What do you got for me? All right, I'm going to start with Teachers Are Professionals. And you could go to teachersareprofessionals.com or you could go onto Twitter to hashtag Teachers Are Professionals. And what this is, is a teacher movement led by uh, both Pledge Sense and Alice Keeler. Alice Keeler is like a, a superstar of EdTech, uh, Google Sheets. She's the queen of Google Sheets. I saw her uh, as a keynote at one of the professional developments that I went to over the summer. She is a very feisty, high energetic uh, woman who is very successful in what she does. And uh, she supports a lot of things and this one is none different. We have, I, I brought out my Southern, none I different there. I liked it. But anyway, uh, teachers are professionals. What you do is you go there and this program, what their goal is, Pledge Sense and Alice Keeler, what their goal is is to stop getting teachers to pay out of pocket. All right, we are all professionals. We all are guilty of using our own money to bring stuff into our classrooms, and we need this to stop. We need to be treated as professionals. And uh, what they want to do is they want to uh, reduce the cost of ed tech programs, and that's their short-term goal is to get us discounts on ed tech programs that we want to use in our classroom. The second thing they want to do is they want to let everyone know that you're a teacher. They Their, their mid-range goal is to bring in business cards so that if you want them allow you to kind of promote yourself and promote your PLN, your professional learning network. And then their long-term goal is to try to get enough uh, monetary sponsors to basically provide teachers that sign up for this Teachers Are Professionals with a, a grant that allows them to go buy whatever they want without having to get receipts. Uh, you're a professional. Go do what you got to do to support your classroom. So you could go to Teachers Are Professionals dot com or go on to twitter at hashtag teachers are professionals if you're not following following alice keeler you should probably go do that as well more than likely if you're listening to us you're probably listening to other tech things and you've already stumbled across her but she's at alice a-l-i-c-e keeler k-e-e-l-e-r on twitter and also give pledge sense a uh a follow as well. So if you go on and you search for Pledge Sense, you can also follow them as well because that's a pretty good partnership. That's at Pledge, P L E D G E, Sense, C E N T S, and give them a follow as well. Yeah, that's an important one because I, there's, I think it's a big problem that a lot of the times teachers aren't seen as and treated as professionals. So that's kind of an important cause, especially when it comes to the whole money thing. A lot of people in a lot of professions, if you know, if a lot of business fields at least, if you need to go out and do something, they you get that company credit card, you just go do it. You're still accountable for it. You still have to be able to explain it. But it's definitely not like that for us. So this is kind of a cool program. I didn't even know about this. What was the what was the pledge sense thing? Are those is that the organization behind or helping to organize? Correct. That's the 
organization that is helping to organize this whole initiative. So it's it's pretty cool. That's a good one. I don't know. They're a crowdfunding. It's a crowdfunding uh, okay. source. So, you know, just go follow them. Follow all three. Uh, go to the Teachers Are Professionals. Sign yourself up. It's it's a movement. And, you know, we're not saying that anything bad about anyone. We're just looking at the teacher and we're, we're saying, hey, we're worth it. And we're doing a lot to change tomorrow. And we're just getting together as a bunch of teachers to support a cause that we believe in. All right. I'm going to make this one real easy just because that's something that's really super important to me, seeing teachers as professionals and treating them that way. I think you might have a slight edge on digitalwish.com for this round. Is that too, too simple? No, I don't think so, because I think even though you're giving me the win, you're recognizing that, you know, teachers, we can band together. And we had a couple themes in this episode, and it was 21st century learning and really how to lead and how to get together and join together as teachers to strengthen our climate, our school climate, our environment and our profession. So I I say it's a worthy win for me and I'll take it. Whether or not you're going to give me it wholeheartedly or, you know, just based on your own morals and values, uh, I'll take it either way. I was just getting tired of winning, to be honest with you, so figured I'd throw you a bone this time. All right, here comes my victory speech. Well, there you have it. I slayed the giant and Nick Johnson this week, bringing it back home to the good side. Today's victory speech is inspired by STEM initiatives, 21st century learning, and creativity. William Pollard, a physicist, once said, Without change, there is no innovation, creativity, or incentive for improvement. Those who initiate change will have a better opportunity to manage the change that is inevitable. I get it. There are many good reasons to keep things status quo, but I would like to challenge you to find one reason to go against the grain and make a change that inspires creativity in your students. So for next time, think of ways that you can make that change to inspire creativity within your students. You can follow us on our webpage at www.gottech.com or on Twitter at WeGotTech. Until next time.